Hello there, and welcome to Friday Formula, a weekly motorsport podcast where this week we're teaming up with Beyond the Grid, WTF1, Checkered Flag, and F1 Nation to form the European Super Podcast. I'm Owen Bellwood, and once again, I'm joined by Will Longman. How are you doing this week, Will? I'm good. We're filming this on Tuesday, and I don't know if you've looked at your phone in the last hour, but the European Super League is over. Oh, no! <laughs> <laughs> Literally, like, the football world has imploded in the last hour, because I was ready to come on here and be like, I've disowned football, I don't care about it anymore, I'm not supporting Man United anymore, I'm going full-time Formula One. But now I've got to spend the weekends split between watching Formula One races and football again. So it's been a traumatic 48 hours. I've got a backup if you want me to redo it. I don't, but maybe for the benefit of the listeners. Let's give them a bonus second intro. It's not as good there. Hello and welcome to Friday Formula, a weekly motorsport podcast where this week we're preparing to do a lap of Imola in the wet without spinning once. Ooh, yeah, that's good. It was good, but I, I think the other one was better. I'm just, I just, I can't believe it's all off. Then again, the super podcast, it could still happen. It could. We'll just have to reach out to all the aforementioned shows and see if they want to talk to us. As alluded to in the second intro, we are talking Amelia Romagna Grand Prix this week. Did you watch the race, though? I did. I watched the race and I watched qualifying. When I found out it was raining, I was super excited. And it ended up being one of those races where you can't turn away from the screen in case something happens. And I think you're constantly anticipating the spin of the leader or just something, which Formula One in the last few years hasn't necessarily been like that. It's had glimpses of it. But I think like the last year and a half, maybe every race seems to be just completely unpredictable. How about you? Did you did you watch? Uh, I watched qualifying on Saturday and then also the race as well. But I watched it afterwards, so I watched the highlights in the evening uh, because I was meeting up with someone who, in the last two weeks, has watched all of Drive to Survive and bought the Formula One game and become obsessed with F1. So we spent a lot of the time talking about the race, even though neither of us knew what had happened. That is a strong effort. And that's a good example of all, actually, these strands... That Formula One are going into, so you know, the drive to survive entertainment and esports actually working, and maybe the sport on track not being the primary way someone gets into it. No, no, there's a lot of other avenues for people to get in, but this week we are talking about the sport on track, uh, and we're going to pick out the five biggest talking points from this weekend's race, and we're going to kick things off with Max Verstappen's Italian redemption. Finally, yeah, he had. A few on-the-trot bad results in Italy. After retiring in Monza and Imola last year and then finishing 8th at the Italian Grand Prix the year before, Max was definitely looking to overcome his Italian curse. And eventually, that seems to have happened. What did you think of his performance over the weekend? Well, it didn't look like it was going to be his weekend. You know, I think they had some issues in, in practice on Friday, but when it got to qualifying and he got out qualified by Sergio Perez, who was disappointed and said he should have got pole. But yeah, even worse for Max, I think it must be the first time he's been out qualified by someone in a very, very long time. Yeah, he was just zero point zero five seconds behind Perez to take third on the grid. Which yeah, like you say, everyone was quite shocked to see after two weeks in the Red Bull. Perez already out-qualifying his teammate. And there was also the moment on Saturday, but had Lando kept it 
within track limits, he could have actually split Lewis and Max even more. And uh, I was jumping around the living room at that point when Lando went P2. I did have a colleague of mine from the Netherlands text me on Thursday and let me know that the weather forecast was for rain on Sunday and just simply said it's max time. So I think like there's confident that if it rains, Max is going to have a decent race. Yeah, uh, it seemed like he was ready to dominate from the off and he pretty much overtook his teammate as the lights went out and then was making moves on Hamilton two or three corners in and had the lead by the end of the first lap. So that first lap move where they kind of go over the chicane at Tamburello and Hamilton loses a, a, he did lose a a little bit of end plate. If that's a dry track, do you think they get investigated? That is an interesting question because they were a little bit closer than you would like to see. I think if there'd been more damage and more aftermath, it might have been investigated, but they kind of traditionally have a little bit more leeway on the opening lap because all the cars are so much closer together and there is just more chance of a little bit of a scuffle. Yeah, and I think especially when it's wet, Mm. Max probably did struggle to slow the car down. But I just think if that had been a dry track, it would have looked like he had just kind of closed Lewis out and pushed him off the track. To see Lewis have to ride those sausage curbs, the whole car just looked like it was wobbling all the way through and sort of warping around the corner. Yeah. Um, But Max, I don't think I saw anything from him after the first lap until the second formation lap. Well, it wasn't a formation lap, was it? It was the the safety car restart. Well, he nearly completely lost, well, nearly completely lost it. Yeah, he spun off uh, and Lando Norris has actually come out and said that Charles Leclerc should have passed him at that point and taken the lead. So... And Massimo Bonotto, to add to that, came out and said the reason Charles didn't do that is because they had a radio mishap. If you were watching kind of the red flag bit, Charles was coming on the radio like, can you hear me? Can you hear me? I can't hear you. Can you hear me? So they couldn't communicate to him until really late that it was a rolling restart. He thought they were going to the grid. Oh, I see. So even at that point, he thought that Max was... He must have been very confused. Like, why is everyone so bunched up and not going? They're like, not doing burnouts and warming the tyres up. So that's why he didn't overtake him. But that was really the only mistake we saw from Max over the whole race. He um, had a very clean, very successful weekend. He finished the weekend in Italy just one point behind Lewis in the Drivers' Championship. And that was because Lewis ended up setting the fastest lap but if it wasn't for that they would have been tied two weeks in which is great to see and I think something everyone is quite excited about. It's happening, it's actually happening. <laughs> and so Max obviously had a great weekend to, to win the Grand Prix but his title rival Lewis had slightly more mixed fortunes and that brings us on to our second point which was Lewis's uncharacteristic mistake. My, my first note to kick us off with that is, was it George's fault? Which is similarly the first note I have for quite a lot of the points in this race. <laughs> uh, it was on lap 32 of the race when Lewis was trying to overtake some back markers, which happened to be Williams's George Russell, who was fighting with Lewis's Mercedes teammate, Valtteri Bottas. 
So Lewis tried to go around George, got on a wet bit of the track and ended up skidding off into the gravel and doing some damage to his front wing. Was it George's fault? <laughs> I don't think it was George's fault, but it's spooky. I mean, there's no precedent, is there, on you know lapping on a wet track? Is Is the racing line always the one that you should let the driver coming through pass on? And I think George did the right thing. He kind of took the wide line and left the kind of inside line for Lewis to take. Yeah. Um, which if you were doing an overtake, that's probably the line that you would you would take at that corner. Mm-hmm. It's just at full speed, that's maybe not the line you'd do kind of lap after lap. And yeah, it it was Lewis's mistake, wasn't it? He just didn't get it slowed down. He's a lucky son of a gun that he got it going again, and he's a lucky son of a gun because of the events of the next lap, I think. It could have been a very different race for him. I was quite surprised that he managed to get back on the track and going again. It looked like there should have been a bit of suspension damage from his impact with the barrier. I didn't realise he was going to be allowed to reverse back onto the track. That seems like something that there'd be a rule against. But um, apparently it was all about him keeping it in low revs while he was reversing so that he didn't dig himself a hole in the gravel trap. And then he, he found himself in ninth, down from second, and a lap down. So that one little mistake really did seem just kind of basically put him out the running yeah and i guess let's fast forward a little bit he was lucky that the red flag did come out and he got to he got to catch up but is that fair should lapped cars be able to unlap themselves because you get into the tricky situation that if they can't and they decide to do, do a standing start how do you how do you police that if you say that unlapped cars can't or lapped cars can't unlap themselves then you can't have half the grid on a different lap, but starting on the same grid as the other one, you've almost got to like let the cars on the leading lap do the start, and then let the other cars kind of start from the pit lane. I, d- I don't know if that's a way to do it. That could work. It feels like if you don't let them unlap themselves, then they're just going to be in the way of the cars that are racing, especially on a wet track. That's then more likely to force someone off a line and force someone into a mistake that could then end up in a further crash that will bring out a further safety car. And while it means we end up with a few extra laps behind the safety car while people are being unlapped, I feel like it then leads to cleaner, more continuous racing afterwards. That's always been my thoughts on it. It's a bit of a strange rule, but I kind of agree with having it. Yeah, it does make sense as a rule, but it seems like a little bit of, a little unfair on those cars that have performed because yeah, you have some slower cars that are naturally going to get lapped, like the Hasses, the Williams, the Mercedes, Bottas. <laughs> but drivers that make a mistake like that, I don't know if they should benefit from the misfortunes of others necessarily. So Lewis obviously did get to unlap himself. And then from the restart, when he was down in ninth, he seemed to just sort of sail through the pack, which is something that we don't often see because the Mercedes are so nailed down with qualifying they always end up in the top three but he was just overtaking the likes of Gasly, Ricardo, Sainz and then found himself up against Norris fighting for his place back on the podium uh, and managed to get past him too to finish second which I know you'd never bet against Lewis Hamilton but was quite a shock. Yeah it was a hallmark of the racer he's become Hmm. it was quite shocking I thought given that we've seen him just be a success for the last however many years, when there was a shot of him in the pit lane during the red 
flag period, kind of crouched down, head in his hands, kind of taking in that he'd made a mistake. Mm. But then almost in a split second, he seemed to realise, right, well, what's next? Like, how do we overcome this? What's the plan? And it's funny because I was going to make a point on his spin that, you know, we're at a track where it's difficult to overtake. And so naturally, it's got to be difficult to lap cars as well because there's just not the space. Mm. But then that argument becomes undone by the fact that he just sailed past everyone and managed to overtake everyone back and, and get right on the tail of Max, yeah. which will be a worry for Max, I think, because it's an opportunity for Lewis to prove his metal, mm. which Max didn't have to do. No. And it's something that we've seen, not lots, obviously, but there's been a few occasions when people have said, oh, the Mercedes isn't designed to overtake. But then, like we saw at Monza last year, Lewis is still able to carve out the overtakes and make his way back through the pack. It's something that you just don't see from Bottas. I don't think I believe the whole, it's not a car that's been designed to overtake. I mean, you design a car to overtake as soon as you put four wheels on it. Like, that's a car that's designed to overtake. You, if, you, if you're designing the fastest car, then you're designing a car to overtake other cars. It's, 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 it's silly. Um, it just goes to prove that I think Valtteri Bottas's days at Mercedes are numbered because he's being outed a little bit, I think. And so if there was a race to demonstrate how Valtteri Bottas's days could be numbered at Mercedes, it would be this weekend's race because he had a few incidents. The major one was his collision with one George Russell. Well, yeah, I'd even argue that it goes a little bit back to qualifying and qualifying in eighth, which set him up for a terrible race. So Valtteri qualified in eighth, just ahead of Esteban Ocon in ninth, and then Lance Stroll in tenth, which is not a position we are used to seeing a Mercedes car. But there was there was half a second between Hamilton and Valtteri, so covering the top mm. eight cars in qualifying, um, which, to be honest, a four-tenth gap to pole last season wasn't unheard of at some of the races. So that's fine. It's just Valtteri's not keeping up. He needs to be keeping up. Perez managed to keep up with Max on Saturday. Valtteri should be, he really should be doing the same. He should be challenging for that pole. And that, that put him in a battle with George Russell on Sunday. Yeah, which is something no one would have predicted. A Williams no. against a Mercedes. But I... I think that is kind of a little bit of testament to how good the Williams duo did in qualifying because both of them got through to Q2. George qualified in 12th and Nicholas Latifi was down in 14th but was still ahead of the likes of Fernando Alonso and Kimi Raikkonen. It was cracking. I think this is one of the circuits that they thought they were uh, going to do really well at. They said that their car is set up for a couple of circuits this year and it must be those high-speed ones. So we'll look forward to Monza mm -hmm. but ultimately disappointing well I say ultimately disappointing even though both of their cars finished up in a scrap heap mm. they came out afterwards and said that they had a positive weekend which I can't imagine there were many happy faces on the, on the plane on the way home no because it was obviously great to see George fighting in the points and then like we mentioned before it was up to lap 33 when he did try and make a move on Bottas Something happened, they ended up coming together and both took each other out, both very angry about it. 
understandably. And it did throw away another chance for George Russell to get points in a Williams. In Italy as well. I think his Italian curse could become worse than Max's. Um, let me just consult my notes quickly. Was it George's fault? Uh, I don't think it was either of them's fault. I think it was rightly determined a racing incident by the stewards. But I don't agree with George that it was Valtteri's fault. It looks like George got a wheel on the grass or on a wet part of the circuit and spun out because of that. don't think anyone turned into anyone, but I, I wouldn't say it's George's fault because there was a gap. He went for it. That's what they're there to do. But it was a big crash. It was a big old crash. <laughs> Would you say it was George's fault? Initially, I thought it was Valtteri's fault because if he knew that George was coming to make an overtake on the outside and he didn't leave any kind of... He did leave room. There was enough room for two cars, but clearly I, I, it was hard to see what spooked George into kind of going onto the grass because it totally the crash was caused by him going on the grass and he probably did have more room but they're going so quickly. I thought it was Valtteri's fault. I'm not so sure anymore. I think George still thinks it's Valtteri's fault. I think the apology that he released yesterday, it wasn't a, I'm sorry for the crash. It was, I'm sorry for hitting you in the head. He said that this was always going to be one of the circuits that they did well on. I think he just wanted those points so much. So to see them slip away again, it's his third season with Williams. He's got to be just get so fed up of being stuck down the bottom. Yeah, but then just if you just don't put a foot wrong, you're going to get in that Mercedes. If you do put a foot wrong and crash into a Mercedes, you're not going to get into the Mercedes. Well, is he's getting into the Renault Cup or something, Toto Wolff? The Renault Clio Cup, yeah. <laughs> uh, no, I have, some, I have some theories that were concocting in my head that I think Lando Norris might have entered the conversation for that Mercedes seat and might be pushing his way up higher up the list than, than George Russell. That is controversial. So George and Bottas was obviously the biggest incident of the weekend, but that didn't stop almost every other driver on the grid from spinning off at some point. It was Spin City. And it, it started way before the race started. I don't know if you were, if you got much of the build-up from the install lap on the highlight. Uh, but I can't remember who it was that spun now, but maybe it was, was Carlos took a little spin on, on the way to the grid. Someone spun on the, on the formation lap. There was also Vettel's problems where he didn't, he had some brake issues, or Stroll had brake issues, and Vettel had his own issues, which meant he didn't get the tyres on before the five-minute warning. And apparently Bottas got a puncture on the way to the grid, so they had to replace his tyre. I don't know if that's true or not. But yeah, there were spins on way before the formation lap. But then Charles had his spin on the formation lap, like you said. And then Nicholas Latifi had a spin on the first lap. Mick Schumacher had a spin on like the second lap. Alonso spun just as George and Bottas were crashing into each other. Sonoda spun in the Alpha Tauri. Lewis spun. Max spun. Sergio spun twice, I think. Do you know who didn't spin? Who didn't spin? Uh, I was going to say Nikita Mazepin, but I think he did on the last lap, didn't he? I have a feeling that the only person that didn't spin was Sebastian Vettel. I think I saw that on Twitter, that he was the only driver that didn't spin in the whole week. I love that um, the shot of Alonso's spin 
but it was during the like little tiff between uh, Boss Ast and Russell, and it was like something out of the office. Like the fight there, they just pull away, he just drives away as if nothing happened, and then they zoom back in again. Yeah, I don't remember seeing a race with that many offs. Did either of the McLarens spin? I think they both kept it relatively tidy. Now you say that, I don't remember seeing them spin. A driver we haven't really spoken about whose race was ruined really by a couple of spins was Perez. Yeah, uh, which was unfortunate to see because he had his spins and then his off, which resulted in a 10 second time penalty. So he ended up falling way down the order. Although his penalty was for safety car violation. Maybe he didn't spin. Well, so he went off into the gravel traps and then a McLaren and an Alpha Tauri, I think, got past him. And then he then overtook them to try and get back into position, which he just can't do. No, and that was a 10-second time penalty, not a stop-go. Yeah. Yeah, this could have been a, a, a really good race for Red Bull to have their second driver perform, but I don't know. They need to stop like building the car on Friday the 13th in front of a <laughs> line of black cats under a ladder or something. It's just not working at the moment, is it? I know. It seemed like it was going to be a weekend full of promise, but then slowly things just kept going wrong for him. So while it might not have been an ideal weekend for Perez and many of the other people that spun during the Emilia Romagna Grand Prix, one person that had a glorious weekend was one Lando Norris. Yeah, I think his value as an F1 driver is really rocketing at the moment. I think, you know, he had a pretty strong end to last year. He spoke a lot about becoming the team leader at the launch for McLaren with Daniel Ricciardo earlier this year. And I think that turned a few heads because obviously Daniel Ricciardo is seasoned driver of 10 years. And Lando is this kind of young upstart. He's the third youngest F1 driver ever. He's probably younger than Daniel was when he started. Um, and he's already in his third season. But he's proving that he was right. He is leading the team. The pivotal moment came when he didn't ask to get by Daniel. He told the team he was quicker. And I think that was a very mature way to communicate that as well and, and a sign that he is kind of maturing as a driver. I don't re- recall that happening with Carlos before. I don't think anyone would have really expected Lando to be so much quicker than Daniel was. It's, it seems to have come not out of the blue because he obviously, like you say, he was showing promise at the end of last year. But Daniel Ricciardo is quite a formidable driver. So to see Lando get let past and then start carving out a lead was was great to see and yeah like you say he really has matured and hopefully this continues and we just see him getting better and better and better and maybe moving a step up the podium as he goes on dare we say it yeah i think you know their last two podiums that mclaren uh had or last three so uh, Carlos at Italy was kind of there to pick up the scraps and the same happened in Brazil where Carlos finished fourth and managed to get up and you have to say if a situation like that arises again if Max and Lewis wipe each other out and uh, Valtteri and Perez are nowhere to be seen pick three drivers you think would be on the podium I mean yeah it would be Lando Norris Daniel Ricciardo and probably a Ferrari I might even throw he's not had a great 
year so far, but Pierre Gasly into that mix. But yeah, I agree with the Ferraris, and Lando actually had quite a tough job of fending off those Ferraris, didn't he? Yeah, yeah, it was really nice to see them getting quite racy again, because they were kind of racy with each other at Bahrain as well. It was the two McLarens against the two Ferraris for quite a lot of the of the uh, the Grand Prix, which kind of repeated itself again this week, uh, and he was dicing his way past Carlos at times and defending against Charles as well. So it was something that everyone wants to see these little battles up and down the whole the whole order. Lando's race wasn't the only great thing about the weekend. He also had quite a blinding qualifying. Like we mentioned before, he set the second fastest time, which was sadly deleted. And he seemed to really beat himself up about that. So then to see him kind of do what Lewis did and just be like, I've had this setback, what can I do to overcome it? And then just whip the performance out of the bag on Sunday. It's fascinating that Lewis carving his way through the field actually created this little buffer between him and the Ferraris mm. as Lewis was kind of slowing down the Ferraris, which he needed because his tyres would have dropped off quite considerably, I think, if the Ferraris had a free reign for those laps that Lewis was going at him for. Because at one point, I think it was two or three laps that he managed to keep Lewis behind where the gap would go down to two tenths or a tenth at turn one. And by the straight, the time the straight came again, he thought, has he dropped out of the DRS? And, and that gap had come back again. It will come for him. That, that P2, P1 will come eventually. Hmm. And the, the other amazing thing to come out of it is that Lando now has 27 points and third place in the driver's standings, which at the start of the year, you said two races in, who's going to be third in the driver's championship? I don't think there's many people that would have said Lando Norris. No, but I feel like he had a similar situation last year where he came third in Austria and I think he had a pretty good race in Styria as well with that blinding final lap where he overtook like seven cars in three turns or something. Um, I think he ended up around second or third then as well. Yeah, so hopefully he can just keep this momentum going. So they were our five big talking points from the Formula One Pirelli Grand Prix made in Italy della Mania Romagna Grand Prix 2021. We might never get to say it again. But the big tournament with King Points are only part of the story to make sure we've covered everything off. We are reviewing every team's weekend with just one sentence. Uh, we're going in championship order. So Owen, kick us off with Mercedes. Uh, so for Mercedes, I have gone with from rags to riches, but not as great as Toto hoped. Will, how have you described Red Bull's weekend? Perez needs to get his head down after falling from hero to zero. How did the papaya of McLaren get on? Uh, for McLaren, I've gone with teamwork makes the dream work. From orange to red, how did Ferrari get on? I have put Carlos's mistakes don't detract from a solid points haul. It's their home race. Alpha Tauri, just 30 kilometres down the road in Faenza. How did they get on? Sadly for Alpha Tauri, I've said wrong tyres led to an underwhelming result. Uh, from Alpha Tauri to Aston Martin, Will, what did you think of them? Solid stroll, but way off the fight. From one world champion's new team to another, how were Alpine? Double points finish, but did anyone really see them race? The final team in our run of all the A's, Alfa Romeo. I've got quiet race for Anton Kimi. 
What did you think of Williams? I've said started with so much promise, ended in so much disaster. And then the final team, Haas F1 team. How do I sign up for a therapy session with Mick Schumacher's engineer as my counsellor? So there you have it. That is what we thought of all 10 teams that competed this weekend. What did you think? Did you agree with our sentences? Let us know any one sentence reviews of your own. You can get in touch with us on Twitter. I'm at Owen Bellwood. Will, you are? At Will Longman. Or you can reach both of us at Friday Formula, where we will also have lots of other talking points from the weekend. And we would just love to hear your thoughts on the race over there. Thanks so much for joining us this week for another podcast. Please don't forget to rate, review and subscribe wherever you are listening. And look out for another episode next week. Thank you so much for joining us. Goodbye. Bye.